All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Joe Oriani. Welcome to Joe Oriani's podcast. If you need to get hold of me, it's Oriani Joe Three at uh, Twitter and Joe Oriani Podcast at Yahoo.com. Now, if you need to contribute, go to RedCircle.com, and all contributions and subscriptions are welcome. Okay, I have a very special guest today. My name is Jerry. Jerry, how do you pronounce your last name? Correct. Think of Star Trek. Trek. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yes, Star Trek. Now, Jerry called my attention because I had worked with his wife, and she told me and showed me because uh, I went to be friends with her on Facebook, and he popped up all the different things he does, all the characters he does, uh, with his autistic skills. He's really very, very good. He posts stuff every day, and it just absolutely impresses me. However, Jerry, a couple of questions. You were from Virginia, I see. Uh, that's correct. Whereabouts? Uh, well, originally, I suppose you could say I was born in the Philippines, but I always considered Virginia home. Um, Culpeper, Virginia is um, where we are actually kind of like based out of, if you will. We consider that to be the headquarters. Um, all of her family still there. I've got a lot of family nearby that area, so about central Virginia. Well, we moved here from Southwest Virginia. And why'd you move to Florida? Mm. Uh, uh, because of the fact that uh, I was teaching at a school. That school closed. So we actually decided, you know, best thing to do would be to move somewhere we could find an opportunity. And I've always wanted to work at Disney. So this was the natural fit um, coming down here, moving in. Uh, working at Disney, doing art at Disney, you know, because I was an art teacher. I've always wanted to do art. So being able to do um, all of that was something that was really a, um, uh, you know, big selling point. I am impressed because I can't even draw a straight line. <laughs> I have to tell you. Draw, try to draw a circle. We got problems. So I am impressed with your work. Uh, but in particular, I noticed here on your uh, resume, so to speak, your former security police in the Air Force. What was that about? Did you join the Air Force? Or? I joined it a um, long time ago. I thought I was going to make a career out of the military, and I had a lot of teachers um, when I was growing up saying, you know, it's difficult to make a living as an artist. It's almost impossible, and how you would have to make a um, – make a living doing something else and then do your artwork as a hobby. And so I bought into that whole, um, you know, storyline. And I said, you know, I'd just forget about it and go do something that I thought would be cool. That would be manly. That would be tough. And at the time we were living in Germany when I decided that I wanted to join the service. Um, When we were living in Germany, my dad was there on the bank mission. And I decided that, you know, I would like to be in the military. I liked um, how a lot of them were living overseas. There was no war going on. This is between 1995 and 2000. Okay. And I decided that I wanted to, you know, sign up. And I was, you know, between those two years, 95 and 2000, I was 13 to 18 years old. And it made an impression on me. And 
I thought maybe I can do that for 20 years, travel the world and retire, and then maybe do art. Okay. How long did you sign up for? I signed up for six years. My enlisted uh, June 2000. How long did it last? Uh, lasted till June of 2007, 2008, so something like that. Six years? Six years? Uh, yeah, two years was inactive reserve. The first year was inactive reserve, and the last year was inactive. So my active years was uh, 2001 to 2007. It's really you, uh, confusing. Did they let you do any work as an artist or no? No, not really. Um, I spent most of my time uh, drawing sketches and doing uh, little caricatures of people in my unit. And I have those somewhere. I don't know what I did with them. I think they're on my Facebook page. I actually had a lot of those um, posted somewhere. And I would just poke fun at the leadership, at other people, at myself, you know. And I think the only thing artistic that the military let me do and I always bragged about it being my first major piece of artwork was uh, that it was seen around the world. And the reason why I bragged about it was because of that, you know, it got to be seen by all over the world. And the reason why was that I, there was a guy in the air force that was horsing around, shot himself in the foot. Okay. They took a picture of it and on the floor, you could see the red, box that I painted for the clearing area and that was the first time a painting or something that I made was seen around the world wow. which obviously is not the best way to go about it but did, it you, thank, did you thank the guy who shot himself in the foot <laughs> I've never met him and oh. uh, I'm sure that he probably wouldn't care <laughs> too much for that okay then you went on to I see you went out to sea world what'd you do there I was a, um, I started off in photo sales. Uh, then I moved up to photographer, tour photos, OJT trainer. And then I was an assistant supervisor in photography there too. And that was mainly a job I took out of um, desperation because of COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, when we first moved here, I was a caricature artist. Um, that's what I mainly focused on. And suddenly um, you know, with COVID shutting everything down, I ended up having to just find another, you know, another source of income. And that for the time being, you know, it served its purpose. And it wasn't, you know, the worst um, thing in the world. It uh, was actually a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Hey, what made you get interested in art? When did you realize you had some potential? Um, I think it was my parents recognized it long before I did. I just thought I was a kid that was, you know, that enjoyed art. I never really thought of myself as somebody who had a potential until uh, I was in Iraq. Because th there's a funny thing when you're growing up and you're, you know, pretty good at art. You have a tendency to want to compare your work with everybody else. You want to compare your abilities to other people. And if you're not the best one in the room, you start to realize, you know, hey, maybe I'm not that talented. And you start to wonder about these things and you let self-doubt get in your head. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, I think it was sometime when I was in Iraq, I started to realize 
that's all I wanted to do. And I knew that I was pretty good at it. People were paying me money to do tattoo designs, do other things. Uh, first sale I made was for 10 bucks. I designed a tattoo for a guy in the 101st. Um, and he was in the 101st, but he was also assigned to some armored division. Mm-hmm. And I designed the two logos and uh, he loved it. Paid me 10 bucks and bought me a cup of coffee. Ah, that's really coffee. So, where it all started. Yeah. What were you doing in Iraq? I was uh, doing security forces. I was protecting air bases. Um, mainly not air bases, just one air base. That was Kirkuk Regional Air Base. I was at FOB Warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's in Kirkuk. And, you know, in security forces, your main goal is just to protect uh, whatever assets are on the flight line. And it wasn't just the uh, flight line, but also we ended up doing a lot of perimeter security. Uh, we detected and looked for any kind of signs of weaknesses and um, defenses. Um, we looked for any potential areas where someone might make an attack. Um, you know, all those things. Yeah. I know I was in the service for five years. I know. So let me well, ask you another question. Thank you too. Uh, let me ask you another question. Every morning I get up and I go on Facebook and I see these drones. Do you do them at the kitchen table? Yeah, right here. Wow. So you just sit there, have your coffee, and just start drawing. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm sitting here at the kitchen table now, actually, doing this interview. And, in fact, uh, let me just grab a um, – while I'm thinking about it, let me just grab a cell phone charger real quick. But, no, I'm a, um, I'm a big believer in staying accountable to whatever it is that you're doing. Sorry about that. That's okay. And uh, for me, at least, if I can do a breakfast sketch in the morning, and it's something that I started doing in college. Uh, When I was in college, I would actually just spend time just doing little sketches. I did a lot of um, little things like that in order to help, um, you know, just, uh, just for fun. And... The reason why I was up that early in the morning was that my first job, my first college job, was over at the uh, cafeteria. And working there, sometimes they would have me just working uh, the breakfast shift. And every morning when I would get up to go do the breakfast sketches, that was pretty much my um, thing. I would just, you know, sit there. I'd scan people's ID cards in, and I would just do um, little sketches in the morning and every morning people would come in and see what I was doing. And I started posting them on Facebook and people would always say, Hey, I saw you making that or, um, Oh, so that's how it turned out. And that was, oh, hello. Still there? Yep. I'm still here. Oh, I'm just going to okay. drop real quick right here so I can get this thing hey. set up here about that, Joe. That's all right. I can try to edit some of that, but we'll see. I may just leave it. Oh, yeah. It's always fun. Sometimes it's spontaneous. So let me ask you a question. I noticed there's a theme to your morning drawing. You see the famous people, people that died, you know, and you do a drawing like that. Like, I know Olivia Newton just died. So, yeah. I do notice a theme. Yeah, sometimes, you know, I don't typically watch the news a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what I'll do, sometimes I'll end up seeing things that um, fascinate me uh, or things that will, you know, be like a big surprise, like um, Lieutenant Uhura. Um, I've seen Nichelle, that. Okay. Uh, Nichelle Nicole. Nichelle mm-hmm. Nichols. Nichelle Nichols. <clears throat> She had uh, passed away, and that was a big part of my growing up. And even though I didn't grow up in that era, my dad was a big fan of the original series of Star Trek. And because of that, I became a fan. And so for me, doing a little sketch of her was like a way of saying thank you. And also, you know, sometimes, you know, for me, doing a sketch helps me to process things and to, um, think about things. Sometimes people don't bother to look at, you know, certain headlines. I like to think that maybe if I did some of my artwork once in a while that would bring attention to something that is important to me, it would ha- actually get that out there and people would actually pay attention. Like um, on June 6th, 1944, you had D-Day. Right. Every June 6th, I always make a point to say something about it, mainly because my grandfather was at uh, Utah Beach. And so I'm always um, conscious of that. And, you know, there's other things, too. Um, January 20th, you had the Tet Offensive. So little things like that in history that I try to, like, um, you know, help people to not forget. Um, And then there's other things I enjoy doing, too, like... For example, sometimes it's a cartoon like this morning was Moana. Now, I was off today, so my sketch actually didn't get posted till sometime after lunch. So it's more like a lunchtime sketch. I do have a question, though. I, I was memorized by the one that you did the other day with like all these people on it at one time. Oh, yeah. How did you manage to do that? That, 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 that was fascinating. Well, you know... Um, let me uh, see here. I'll, I'll show you a thing or two here. I'm going to pick this up and I'm going to turn the camera around. So like something like this right here, mm-hmm. I'll just start drawing maybe one image. Um, sometimes, I don't know if you were one of those kids in school that would sometimes just do little scribbles on the side of their paper. Trust me, it was scribbles. Yes. You know, I might see like a, you know, like on the side of the page, there was always that dot there. Sometimes I would just, you know, because there, you know, how notebook paper was, it had like holes there. So I would just start, you know, building up things from there, like so. And then I would end up just saying, huh, that kind of looks like this, or it looks like that. Or I would see those lines on the paper and I would just, start doing something like that in between the lines. And then I would just say, oh, that's interesting. I kind of see staircases and maybe this is a pillar. And then I would just start to build things up and go from there. And as I'm doing this, this is a large piece of paper. So I could easily just keep on going and just draw as many things as I want. Like here I got, um, I'm thinking about doing some of the Tower of Terror. So I might even just say, hey, let's go ahead and maybe put in here like a little terrifying tree in the background. Um, I'll put that there. 
and then I'll just keep going. And, you know, I might say, oh, that's interesting. Let's do another face. And then I'll just go ahead, go down here, draw another face. And faces are a lot easier than you think. All I have to do is just to do a couple of little lines and you got a face. Were you challenged to put that many people on? No, uh, it's honestly okay. something that I just kind of do, um, you know, as a, um, you know, just as a way of uh, practicing. It's not really something that I intend to do. It's just something that ends up that way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because I think the caption said, someone said, can you really do this many, Jerry? That's what I mean. Oh, that one. That yeah. One. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the one that had 11 people on there. Yeah, that was, um, I thought you were talking about the breakfast sketch that I did with, um, you know, 25 faces on there. I'm sorry. No, that, that particular one with 11 people on there, um, that was a commission. A lot of times when you do the caricatures, you get um, requests to do, like, can you do more than one person on a caricature? And I'm always like, yeah, of course, you know, we can do you and your husband or you and your wife or um, you and your children. We can put your two kids on there. And oftentimes it's just two people. Um, that seems to be the most popular thing. I like it. Um, usually it doesn't take very long. Um, the commission on it's very good. So you can really just, you know, knock them out just like that. Uh, this one right here had 11 people. It was black and white. So you're thinking about trying to like, how am I going to fit these folks in there in an 11 by 14 space? And then the 11 by 14, smaller than 11 by 14, mm -hmm. because you have borders, the little black borders that have like the Walt Disney World logo at the bottom. And then it has the framing that goes around it. So it's roughly around about 10 by 13, maybe. And the way I broke it down, I just said, okay, I'll do the top row with four, middle row with three. And then the bottom row with four. And then as I started to work on it, I started to realize something. Um, there's three couples and there is five children. I didn't want to put all five kids on one line. So I put the uh, mom and dad of the two kids at the top. Then I put grandma and grandpa and then the other um, couple next to them. And then I put the three kids at the bottom. And that was a little bit of a challenge because you had to try to figure out how you're going to get them all on there. You had to try to make them look real or not real, but you had to capture their likeness. Right. So it was a bit of a challenge. The most I've ever done up to that point was maybe eight people. I'm sure they loved the results. Huh? I'm sure they loved the results because I did. And it wasn't even my picture. <laughs> yeah, apparently they did. So um, I'm happy about that. What uh, what park do they mostly put you at? Um, nowadays, um, uh oh, hold on. Um, give me one second here. Uh, mainly I'm at. I guess that uh, outlet's not working. Hold on, Joe. Can you give me a second? I just need to plug you in here. Let, let me pause for a second. Okay. There you go. Now what was where you we were talking here. about the locations. Uh, typically, I'm at Hollywood Studios, and 
I'm now there four days a week, uh, Wednesday through Saturday. And then Sunday nights, I'm over at Riverside. Uh, they typically move us around. When I first started, it was all over the place. Uh, I might be at the park maybe one day a week. I would be at Animal Kingdom. Uh, and then I would be at Beach Club, Riverside, Pop Century. Typically, I had two shifts at Riverside and then one shift at Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom was always a um, interesting park to work at, but I ended up uh, liking Hollywood Studios a lot, and I requested to be there, and they said, yeah, we would love to have you over there. So I'm over there four days a week now. That's good. That's good to know. How many people do that kind of work at Disney? I want to say there's about 50 some artists that are all really? out all throughout the area. Now, I'm not saying they're out there every day at the same time. Uh, you might have, uh, you, we have about 12 resort locations. So you have 12 artists every night out there. And that's uh, um, 12 artists. And then you would have maybe three or actually probably two over at Animal Kingdom. Disney Springs will have like a whole store store of people. We might have six people there. And at Hollywood Studios, probably about six people that will work there on a regular day. So talking about I would say about 26 some artists. And then you also have those that do um that might have that day off and whatnot and you have rotating shifts so i would say retail locations at least there's probably around about 36 some artists that do that and then there's other artists within the agency that do different things but um yeah it, it's a it's a pretty big operation i don't know all the ins and outs of it but yeah there, there's quite a few of us are you directly employed by Disney or someone? No. Um, I, I used to work for Disney, but no, not anymore. I am actually just a third party. Okay. Uh, we are third party employees. Uh, well, not employees, but we're considered operating participants. And we are expected to carry ourselves as cast members. Okay. Um, to the public, we're <laughs> cast members. Officially, we are Green ID operating participants i personally like it um you know i don't have to deal with cds i don't have to deal with um point systems um i show lucky, up lucky you yeah i show up i work i get discounts i get a self-admission pass to go to the park but you know the other benefits like my wife gets mm -hmm. the main gate thing where she gets three extra uh, passes right. i don't get any of that and understandably that's fine with me though um so all the things that i don't get she gets and i can get on her insurance if i wanted to um and so it, it's it's a pretty good combination between her and i uh i do like the idea that as a green id i don't have to worry about um 
a lot of things. So that's nice. Apparently, what are you? Are your shifts long? The eight hours, six hours? No, not too long. Like it depends on where you're at too. Like I was at Riverside last night. I was there from my shift on paper says five to ten. I can stay as late as I want, and I can also go in as early as I want. Uh, nobody is checking the time. Nobody is looking to see if I showed up. I just show up to my location. I open up my booth and I start drawing. If I want to get there at 8 a.m. in the morning when the gift shop opens and start taking orders, I can. Um, some people do. Um, you, get, you get paid by per how much you draw? Mm -hmm. It's straight commission. And even with a commission, I still get paid much better than whenever I worked for Disney or SeaWorld, um, you can easily do a thousand bucks a week. Well, I won't say easily. You can make a thousand bucks a week if you put in the time and you're not afraid of staying late to do the work. If, um, if you're lazy, I mean, you could still possibly pull out 400, 500 a week, but it's, um, it's in your best interest to do as much as you can. Yeah, because at any given time, you don't know when that job would disappear if COVID or something comes back. And that's the whole reason why I ended up working at SeaWorld. Um, once when they reopened, I was getting maybe one day a week, sometimes two days. Um, they tried to get me out there more, but the problem was was that they just didn't have enough locations opened. And as they were reopening some locations like Riverside, mm -hmm. they it wasn't open for a long time. And that actually was pretty depressing because I drive by Riverside a lot when I would drop Dana off at work at Hollywood Studios. And I would just look over there like, wow, when is this going to open up? When is this whole thing going to be over with? Because I would love to go back there. And now that's open again, you know, I'm, you know, obviously I'm excited, but and, you know, at the same time, I'm also extremely cautious with, you know, the money and also with, you know, if you have a good night, um, great. If you have a good night, sometimes that means you might have to stay late because your shift, it might be five hours on paper. But if you take an order at 955 or you might get two or three orders that come in late. You have to decide, do I want to tell these guests, hey, you're going to have to pick this up. You have to get it done at another time. I can't take any more orders tonight. Or you could just say, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I'll stay till 3 a.m. in the morning to get it done. So it's really up to you. Mm. For me, uh, when I'm at Riverside, I'm there until I get everything done. But it's also my Friday. So the next morning I could sleep in and it doesn't matter. And I'm quite happy with that. Well, that's good. I got 10 minutes left, so I want to ask you, how did you meet Dana? Oh, the, that's a fun story. How did this show kill me? Um, let's see here. We started off as just acquaintances. Um, we were in the same homeschool clubs. And we were in, in the Virginia? same... Um, yes, in Virginia. And we were also part of, like, a lot of the same, um, you know... 
other activities that kids were involved in. I just never knew her. I never knew her name. And she remembers seeing me. And I was even in the same karate class as her brother. And then one day, as, a, as I was walking through the store, um, I remember seeing this girl at college, at community college. And I said, you know what, I'm going to talk to her because she's kind of cute and she's a lot of fun. She's always happy. And I want to know what makes her so happy. So I just started talking to her one day and um, I started to realize, you know what, she's kind of nice. I wonder if she'd give me her number. And next thing you know, the second time I saw her, she was excited to see me and I was excited to see her. And she was surprised I didn't ask her for her number the first time around. I got her number and then uh, we started talking. We started to realize, wait a minute. We grew up within like, you know, like, like real close to one another within like a rock's throw of each other. Um, the, the house that she grew up in was, um, we would pass by it every time we would go into town. And later on, as we were growing up, I also remember seeing her at community college and um, she remembers seeing me in the um, karate classes. So it was... Um, it was really interesting how that happened. But once when we started to realize, hey, there's a lot of places and that we uh, met each other, but we never took the time to get to know one another. Yeah. And uh, including a photo that I took of her back when she was 12 and I was working at the Culpeper Computer Connection as yeah. a um, student helper. I was just um, 10 years old at the time and I took a photo of her and her sister and that was really funny because she had it hanging on the door and i said hey that was a cold pepper computer connection wasn't it and she goes yes it was <laughs> you know next thing you know there's just more and more things that we had in common or places that we've been to but we just never met okay. and funny story my great 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 grandfather on you know i'm adopted but I always considered my adoptive family, my family, my, um, on my dad's side, you go back about six or seven generations, uh, Johan Freck, AKA John Freck. When he came over from Germany, he was working in a coal mine in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Dana's family is from Bucks County, Pennsylvania. He ended up going into the army in 1861 just to get out of the coal mines and you know he figured three months in the war the war will be over in a month why not get a little break go walk around he ended up being in service five years including being at a battlefield that was about two miles away from where my wife um grew up at really that's yes that's it, cool. it's something it's it really is something <laughs> now i have to ask you two things before we go because I'm watching the clock tick down. They don't give me much time. Uh, when you go to Hollywood Studios, A, where do they usually keep you? And B, if people want to see you work, where can they see it? Okay, so if you want to um, uh, see me at Hollywood Studios, I would be at Sunset Boulevard. So as you're walking towards the Tower of Terror, um, you could see the trolley cart that's on um, Sunset Boulevard. It's halfway between um, Tower of Terror and um, Hollywood Boulevard. So you have Hollywood, Sunset Boulevard, and then you would have the Tower of Terror. We're halfway down there. 
nearby um, Rosie's Cafe and the Catalina, Catalina Joe's. Catalina. So we're, yeah, we're right over there. And it's, uh, it's hot, but, you know, it's a lot of fun. Um, I work over there Wednesday through Saturdays, 11 to 6. And if you want to see more of the work that I create, best place to go see it is on Instagram, Freck Studios. That's spelled F-R-E-C-H Studios, S-T-U-D-I-O-S, all one word, Freck Studios. And if you just type that in on uh, Google, it will pop up. You can see the Instagram link. You can see a Facebook page that has the same name. Um, I even have a couple of YouTube videos I didn't really do much with. And I even have a TikTok that's under the same name, but I still haven't done much with it. I'm slowly trying to figure out how all this social media stuff works. And I'm also trying to figure out how everybody has to for all yeah, that. I understand that. It's a little difficult. I mean, I never knew we had to change one file to another. I'm learning as I go. Some editing mm -hmm. is good and some isn't. Uh, so anyway, what we're going to do is I'm going to let you know when I'm going to post this. It'll be on YouTube, Amazon, the whole the whole thing. And you can watch it. See how you sell. I have other videos on it too. You can watch it's free. You know, see how I did. Because you may, want, may not want to see it. So anyway, <laughs> I do appreciate you coming on today. It was hard to get you. I asked Dana yesterday. I said, don't forget to remind him. She just blowing kisses and laughing at me. So I don't know if she reminded you. <laughs> so, yep. No, she I, she reminded me. And then I saw your message this morning. So I just want to make sure. But I kept on not seeing the email and I realized what it was. Um I've been getting so many emails I've been just throwing a bunch of stuff and um junk and I think all my Zoom emails are going to my junk files and not to my inbox. So when you emailed me, I went to the junk folder and there was like three or four emails from you. So oh, okay. <laughs> not from your email, but from Zoom. No, so Zoom okay. kept saying, hey, you have an invite. Yeah. Okay, I got about 45 seconds left. I want to know what you would tell somebody who's an inspiring artist to give them that hope that they can become and make money and not to be discouraged don't give up don't quit even if that piece of artwork that you're creating right now that you know you could be doing even if that's a failure it's a failure forward because with each failed piece of artwork with each successful piece of artwork it's one step closer to that piece of art that you were meant to create everybody's meant to create something it's just a matter of time and practice to get to the point where you are doing what you are actually meant to do. So don't quit. 97% um, of college students who get a degree in art are no longer in the art field within three years. So if you stick it out and you don't quit and you just keep working, keep practicing and not giving up, you'll, you'll find a way just let that passion burn in you and be focused more on creating good artwork and not making money. If you're focused on making good artwork, the money will follow. Jerry, again, I want to thank you very much. Thank Dana for me. Tell her I no over, problem. Tell her I over a glass of water. <laughs> and okay. 
I do appreciate it. And again, I'll let you know when it's going to get posted because I got a couple I got to edit yet, probably a week or so. Okay. And again, thank All you right. very much. And I do appreciate you all work in the morning. It is so cool. No problem. Thank you. I appreciate thank you. you. All right. Have a good, Have a good one. Now, just remember, if you're not laughing, you're not living. Thank you. This was a good interview, and I hope you enjoy it.